episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-hosts are Bucky and the DJ. How have hey guys. you guys been? Uh, Don't interrupt good. me, DJ. Oh, professor. What? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, I'm fabulous. <laughs> you always are, Bucky. No, no, sometimes most, sometimes it's just marvellous. But like thank you for saying you think I'm, mar- I'm fabulous. No, 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 you're the only hippie here. He said you're marvellous. No, well, sometimes I'm marvellous. Doesn't mean yeah, I'm a hippie. Like the hippies. No. That's a drug-induced state of stupidity. No, the Marvel hippies. Ah. Well, once again, that's a drug-induced state of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Is that after watching a Marvel movie or after reading a Marvel comic? Both. I'm just going to be quiet on this one. You were saying, Professor? I asked you how you've been. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Stop dodging the question. Not dodging the question. I'm just gonna say I've been okay. The cold, I think he's dodging okay. the question. <laughs> I'm not even dodging, guys. The cold is wonderful, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pity we don't even have snow, though. Yeah, because we live in one of those horrible tropical countries. Pardon? We don't have <laughs> snow up here. Well, actually, um, a couple of hours away from us, we have snow. Really? Where's it snowing? No, it snows out at uh, Stanthorpe and Safeworth occasionally. They had snow out there the other week. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah. You know when it was really, really bitterly cold for a few nights in a row there? Yeah. Yeah, they actually had snow out at Stanthorpe. Yeah, I suppose it's getting into the highlands, isn't it? Yep. And um, at the same time, down further south in this um, tropical country, <laughs> um, where my brother lives in, near Katoomba, um, they had snow there. <clears throat> and it was quite sexy too. Sexy snow. Not as not as sexy as yourself. <laughs> See, we're the friendliest podcast on TNC. <laughs> but anyway, how have you been going? I'm going good. Just um, spending my days fixing computers, sleeping, playing games, the usual. Fabulous. It is. Anyway, our first topic this week is from Buck. About a place where it has never, ever snowed. I don't know about that, because how do we know it's never snowed there? Yeah, you're right. Probably didn't have an atmosphere for long enough to snow, though. Well, that's if you go with the only definition of snow is um, the condensation ice crystals. But you get dust falling is referred to as snow. But we're talking about the moon here, folks. NASA has announced a dozen science and tech experiments to scout the moon. So part of that is the the Artemis program, and they're working to get a crew back up onto the moon by 2024. So in a statement published um, on July 1st, NASA's detailed at least a dozen payloads heading to the moon as part of the Commercial Lunar Payloads Services Project. Try saying that five times really fast. Um, which could go into space as early as next year. And part one of the main things they're going to be looking at is moon dust, otherwise known as lunar regolith, which is going to be the central focus for a number of experiments, as I said. Um, where I know there's a 
couple of guys in Sydney who are working on trying to use it to create building blocks. Um, yeah, so they got um, one of the payloads is going to be Sampler, S-A-M-P-L-R, Sample Acquisition Morphology, Filtering and Probing of Lunar Regolith. So, yeah, there's quite a few interesting um, bits and pieces, and they're looking to go down um, two to three metres below the surface in taking samples as well for this. So, it's actually, yeah, quite quite exciting and quite interesting. Then they're also using a robotic arm that was part of the design and everything for uh, the Mars experiments and research for Rover and Spirit. So, yeah. So... Are we so? Is this the precursor to trying to trying to find out whether we could live on the moon, then maybe live on Mars? Um, well, it's as part of further exploration. Like a lot of the um, like all, all any research projects that are being put forward have to be towards scientific and human research and discovery, and also to help aid future exploration and travel. So it's yeah, a lot of stuff they say here. Um, the objectives and the, yeah, the um, scientific and human exploration objectives and broader applications for Mars and beyond. So it's yeah, not just looking to move, be able to reach Mars, but the whole staging post of the Moon as a launching station for getting out further in the galaxy. I find it quite interesting how we've. I know we've talked a lot of space exploration stuff over the last few episodes and. It finally happened that after so many years of being on doing moon explorations, they I like how they're bringing it back, bringing the moon exploration projects back into the fold after how after after how many Apollo missions? Seventeen. Yeah, they haven't done any Apollo missions for a while. They yeah. um, stopped those for a while, and they were doing a lot of stuff with the space shuttle, and then a lot of focus has been on the International Space Station and Mars. And satellites out exploring further areas to identify other target locations to go to. But this is actually a physical step where they've set a, a key target of 2024 of wanting to have a crew actually physically setting foot on the moon and having stuff such as Curiosity Rover or similar um, vehicles to Curiosity Rover on the surface of the moon doing experiments before they get there. So... Yeah, we could have habitats on the moon. This is great news. I um, I remember when I was six, how disappointed I was when I found out that the Apollo program had been cancelled years before I was born. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, like, I'm I'm loving the idea because I was actually sitting back the other week. Um, the International Space Station did a flight above the eastern seaboard of Australia, and they actually went and sat outside with my mum having a cup of tea waiting for it without there like five, ten minutes before it came across. And we're actually sitting back and watching it. And when it came across, we were sitting there watching it, both quite excited. We came back in and my mum was all happy. Can you imagine a couple of years from uh, after the uh, initial experimentation, there'll be um, a lunar theme park in the, on the moon? Now you're just still in future rum plot points. I know, but uh, hey, the possibility's there. Well, there's already a lunar park. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, there's, there's a lunar park in Sydney. I've been to both of them. When I was like five years old or maybe even younger, I went to the one in Melbourne 
And mm-hmm. it was like just before we moved out of Melbourne and going down one of the roller coasters, last ride of the day, finally got to ride at the front, which is what I wanted to do all day. And a bug flew into my eye and got stuck <laughs> and ended up getting really infected and having this ridiculously swollen eye. Oh, dude. And that's about all I can remember from that day. <laughs> but yeah, what do what you think, though? Like, could you imagine years from now... There'll be, there'll be businesses coming into coming onto the moon and saying we're gonna mine the moon we're gonna mine this moon we're gonna make a lot of money out of um, doing crazy stuff on the moon like maybe well, um, doing crazy stuff on the moon so is this jackass in space I can't really see a great deal of mining to make money on the moon because we don't know enough about what materials and so forth are up there. Um, the big but, bonus to mining on the moon is that it's already out of the gravity well, so yeah. you've got a much shorter shot to get out of Earth's orbit from the moon than you do from Earth. Well, yeah, that's like, but we're we're not sure exactly whether there's what what sort of material is there, whether there's anything suitable for actually making spaceships and so forth. So um, it could just. Mostly, ba- it could all just be basically the same sort of material of regolith that's on the surface, which um, I did read somewhere once about a chemical compound breakdown of what it's supposed to be like, but I can't remember it now. But um, they've got materials on Earth that are the same. So um, there'd be more mining into the moon's surface for creating habitats for living underground and then, yeah, creating launch pod locations for sending rockets from the surface of the moon to go to locations such as mars etc because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere it's a great launch site but the bad side effect is there's nothing to make the meteorites burn up before it impacts it's like radiation there's no liquid core so they have no magnetic field so you get super cancer yes and because of the lower gravity there's going to be health issues so living under the surface should help create a higher density of gravity, I believe, from what I've read. But, yeah, I, the long-term effects are still going to be something to consider. So the I'm other so question, excited, though. Oh, yeah. The other question is going to be as well, um, are we going to contribute the, the value of, of space programs? I mean, back in the day, like, space programs were very expensive, and that's why – wasn't it why – wasn't that the reason why um, – Back in the early 2000s, they abandoned the space program at one point due to budgetary issues. Um, it was also because some of the things that they had been working on, they were told they were not allowed to do by international law, although it's kind of a running joke that it was all ignored by most of the superpowers that have got satellites and that up there, that there's things that are being weaponized. Yeah. Technically, you're not supposed to have weapons in space. I completely do not believe anyone is following that. <laughs> oh, there's, what is it? Um, Iron, is it Iron Sky where they talk about finding Nazis having a base on the dark yeah. side of the moon? <laughs> and then they, they turn around and they have to launch a multinational response and everyone's got all their special forces with weapons in outer space. Yeah, although there is a, a gun standard issue on Soyuz capsules. Mm-hmm in case you land in the forest and have to fight off bears. And actually, one of the funniest things is, I think it was NASA just recently put in a massive order for a lot of um, weapons. They found the moon Nazis. (laughs) 
Well, I originally, when I heard, first heard about it, a lot of people were saying, Donald Trump's going ahead with Space Force. <laughs> it's like, all hail the God Emperor. All hail the God Emperor. No, 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 that's Disney. You barely like them now. <laughs> that's Disney. We've already established that, which means instead of having the, the skull with the wings, it's actually going to be the Mickey Mouse symbol emblazoned <laughs> on, the, on the chest plate of the Space Marines. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Mickey Mouse wearing a Blood Angels uniform? No, but I can imagine him emblazoned on there. Do we have to imagine it? I bet someone's made art of that. Oh, I'm going to have to go looking for that now. <laughs> oh, hell, the God Emperor. <laughs> hey, blue blood for the blood god. <laughs> can you, can, here's the other one. Can you yes. imagine Donald Duck Donald Duck in a, in a, in a Warhammer 4K outfit trying to talk? Like, no, to no, talk. no, because Donald Duck wouldn't be in a Space Marine outfit. He would be part of the Inquisition. <laughs> Yes, I've just found um, a picture of a mini someone made of Mickey as um, a space marine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's already begun. It began like 16 years ago. This was posted in 2003. Yeah, like, there's, there's been jokes about. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's already No, no, begun. it's not Jesus Christ. <laughs> Although I can understand the confusion. <laughs> the Imperium of Disney shall invade upon Earth and and smash it to smithereens. I've also seen um, there's a memed image that went around for a while of um, Hello Kitty as a space marine. Oh no! Caption, In the grim future of Hello Kitty, there is only war. <laughs> But but um, I think we're straying away from the topic. But uh, the question I would say though is, wouldn't like the budgets of doing space travel hurt the country's GDP though? In a sense, like, um, are you aware of the amount of research that comes back as a result? It, I, I get that, but then, like I said, NASA like abandoned space travel like no, a while didn't. ago. Uh, hmm? no, Look at the numbers. The for every dollar invested in NASA, they get something like three dollars back. NASA hasn't abandoned space travel at all. No, no I meant yeah. the spa- they um, stopped the space program temporarily. No, no. Huh. They, they stopped the Apollo missions and then started work on the space shuttle. Then they stopped the space shuttle and they're going back to using other rockets, such as the um, old the Vulcan. launch system. Yeah, and SpaceX has now come in with Rockets that are returning back to the surface for, because it saves money, and they've partnered up with NASA for stuff. But NASA's still launching stuff into outer space. Okay. America, yeah. America's got so many satellites out there that it, you could, you should literally be able to walk around the planet without having to fly. Can you imagine Elon Musk saying, "I own the moon now. Get deal with it." He probably will. <laughs> I'd Just rather a- him than Donald Trump. <laughs> Oh, okay, how about Branson? Branson would be cool. If Branson did it, there would be a resort location up there for employees to go and relax. Oh, that would be fun. Like, Branson is working on creating um, a plane that goes into low-Earth orbit for travel and also to have a good time, which is apparently one of his things. So, yeah, like... 
He's a billionaire, isn't he? He can have a good time wherever he wants. <laughs> well, depends on who you talk to. Apparently, according to Donald Trump, he's not a real billionaire because he's involved in um, airplanes and air travel. And no real billionaire is involved in that, apparently. Even though um, Richard Branson's worth about five times the amount of Donald Trump could ever dream to be and has never declared bankrupt. <laughs> America, you elected the wrong guy. He could have oh. had Richard Branson. No. All you cause... had to do was have a violent revolution to overthrow the Constitution. You see, this is this is the thing. Like when um, Donald Trump and all and well, Hillary Clinton were running for election, there were all the posts coming out. The Queen the Queen is sitting back laughing at America now, going, You idiots thought you could run yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Make America Great Britain again. Yes. <sighs> So now that we've um, insulted America and come up onto the NSA and CIA's um, extermination list, do you think we should keep <laughs> talking on about this topic? Welcome to the club. <laughs> There's plenty of room on the list. Yeah, we're, we're, actually, we're, we're on a few lists now, aren't we? We're, we're on China, North Korea. Um, I don't know if we've insulted anybody else, but I'm sure we have. <laughs> Let's just pick a country, any country. Don't don't say it, DJ. Don't say it. Do not say it, DJ. Do not say what? Get Just off anything. your topic, DJ. All I'm going to say is like uh, the more we <laughs> don't do, say it, DJ. You you were told go on with your topic because if you, <laughs> if you name a country, that's it. <laughs> we are going to have international hitmen after us again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, a couple of days ago, there has been a revelation that. Um, You're not human. Mangas. <laughs> I know, Bucky. We we thought you were not human at first, but we kind of figured that out. Um, I know we've... I'm godlike, but still. <laughs> so apparently, there is news coming out. Um, from, Get um, on with it from anime executives at a panel of project uh, for Project Anime that manga sales are currently overtaking comic book sales in the West and. This is, um, I'm, I'm looking at the article right now, I say, while comic books are still seen as something of a niche hobby besides, despite the success of Marvel comics, manga is still widely accepted in Japan, reading it in a far more per capita than the comic books in the West. Um, and they're only just realizing this? Well, it's interesting, though, how they're, they're only realizing it now. What's interesting is how they broke down why, why it's becoming very, successful and some of it 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 deals with the fact that um sending it to the west hmm? because it's not the 500 remake of bloody batman (laughs) hey don't pick on batman he's not a hippie he will come after you and kick your butt one of the people that were at the one of the people at the panel debbie ioki wrote a really long thread about um why why mangas manga sales are more successful um it it's not. Um, he wrote. She wrote. While I started in this biz, Japanese rights holders weren't interested in markets outside Japan. To them, now it's a sofa change. It's got. It's. It's a very long list. It's a very long thread to look at. But it's basically saying that. In other words, it's good- it's breaking it down. Japan just hadn't actually bothered really pursuing a market outside Japan, but still crushed the, the international market anyway. Yeah, and there's an interesting part where, from what I've. Well, I gathered in the long thread, they're saying that 
There's a hunger for these kind of stories that Japanese artists and storytellers are producing, he explained, and saying, like, for example, this happened with Star Wars. It told Hollywood that there was a hunger for sci-fi stories. It happened with Iron Man 2, which led to more superhero movies. So it's kind of like there is a, there's a market there and people are trying to adapt to introduce this market to the West. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I spoke to a it's interesting though when you try and look at the Marvel comics now and compare it to the Japanese manga now. Marvel comics are just so uh, so cringy to read in a sense where the dialogue doesn't the uh, half of a dialogue would just be like, okay, we're going to be um doing the, we're going to be doing this include a pop culture reference. We're going to be doing that include pop culture reference or something or some and it'd be political as well. At times, like for example, one one of the uh, famous arcs in um, Captain America, for example, was the Secret Empire arc, where it was basically Captain America was evil, and they made and so many news articles were saying like, "Oh, this is a political, this is a poli- this is part of the political times right now, and how the Nazis are ca- are going to invade America." Uh, I think part of the success of um, anime and manga is the fact that. Characters don't have to stay alive for a thousand, like thousands and thousands of issues and episodes. It's just like they'll have a story; it'll run for however long, and then they'll end it and move on and do another story. Whereas Marvel and DC, as well, they create a handful of characters, and then it's just got to be continuously those characters only. Whereas manga and anime. Are constantly trying to come up with new ideas and fresh stories. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I agree. I, I agree with you there. Well, thank you for agreeing with me that I haven't read it for a while. I appreciate that. Or you agree that it, that they're full of nonsense. That too. Well, if, what's interesting though, I, I spoke to a couple of people about. about really, that. he hasn't denied it. <laughs> Do these people are aware that you spoke to them? Oh yes, they are aware, and I've got some interesting responses from us. From this, like for example, one one example. Uh huh. We're listening. It says, uh, for example, is it just shows how out of touch many comic book writers are from their audience. This made further true due to the, how tense the current political climate is in the West. It's the supply and demand, to put it simply. Manga is able to fulfill the wishes of any targeted demographic, regardless of how ambiguous or niche they may be. There's always something for someone. Meanwhile, a lot of comics these days are ju- doing the exact opposite. Instead of fulfilling a demand for the target consumer or focusing time and effort into making a polished and thought- thoughtful um, narrative that instantly grabs the reader's attention, they're just focusing on shoving their own political agendas or worse, their political beliefs into a context where it has nowhere to go. Don't get me wrong, mm. I want comics to succeed in its own, so that's so that more people can possibly get into the field and create well-crafted stories for even more people to enjoy. It's it's wrong to compare comics to mangas as they're different narration types and the types of topics are different. Yeah, manga comes up with, a, as I said, a short series of stories, or, well, which are sold as short graphic novels that tell a story and the character, and that's it. The, the, you may have a series of things around that one character, a series, like, but it's not this constant where they just, it's always going to be the same character alone. It, they come up with a range of characters, whereas Marvel and even DC to an extent are 
it's always just the same thing. Although DC's evolving Batman as different generations and different generations of Robin and yeah, Superman at one point was old and he his son was taking over from memory at one point as well. Um, but so that's also so part of the success of the comics, such as the Phantom. The Phantom dies and another generation takes over, so it allows him to evolve and change. Yeah, and and the same person also wrote a lot of comics, especially the older ones, can be quite hard to read for newcomers, whereas mangas are more accessible. Would you say? Would you agree with that statement, though? Yes, because with mangas, I don't need to worry about am I reading Batman New Fifty Two or Batman Action Comics or Batman Detective or whatever the other crap they come up with. Yeah, and even if it's like a nine hundred part manga like uh, One Piece. You know where you start, you know where you end. Yeah, and the same with Marvel. Like, you got how many different Marvel character universes blending and folding over each other and characters dying but then coming back to life and changing and, I don't know, they're having sex changes or something as well now or gender reassignments, <laughs> if we're going to term. But, I don't know, like, you sit you sit down and you read a manga or you watch anime and it's it's just... It's fun for the sake of being fun. It's not like the most political thing you'll get is like child soldiers are bad. You shouldn't treat people. It's always treat people well and try to be good to each other around the planet. Is that is the only real political thing that seems to come out of manga and anime? I think the the interesting thing though with comics and, and manga is is the accessibility in terms of a comic book is it would be much more cheaper to buy off the rack than. A manga, like how much is it for a manga to when you buy off a bookstore? Like, what's I don't like? know, probably a lot more because they try to bump the price up, but they're actually quite cheap in Japan. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. But when you put it into the Western market, for example, it's it's like comparing. But they comic charge book- it. They charge extra just because of the the exoticness of it. But if you turned around and you brought it across on like in bulk format and had it being distributed then probably wouldn't have as much of a problem. But half the issue is the fact that there's only a small percentage of it being printed in English to start with, and then it's treated as an exotic item, so they charge extra money because they also mm-hmm. have to pay extra money to have someone translate it and then have it printed in English. So it's, yeah. yeah. So it's a supply and demand issue. Well, yeah, like if as it, as it catches on, if it'll get more and more popular and then they'll print more and then the cost will come right down. But half of it is as there's just greedy people taking over the market. Like a lot of the cost for Macy and Marvel and DC comics is just the, the, the printers and the publishers. It's not actually even the, the shops. They don't make it as much money. Yeah, I agree with you there. So would you guys be – so with how things are going with comic books right now and – with manga, with manga rising, would you guys ever pick up a manga and start reading it, or would you? Yeah. You, Professor? I've only ever read, like, manga one-shots, really, but i definitely consider it if there was something I was interested in and it was accessible to me. I think the big issue is that I don't really read comics at all, so it's not like I go to a comic book store and browse through and pick something. I only um, read something if it's particularly special. You were saying Buck? I was just saying Amar, um, uh, because he said he didn't get it. Space stations very often. Go to um, <laughs> comic book stores very often. Sorry, still thinking about space. Yeah, that also the other. That's also the other issue. Like in terms what? of, there's you want to read com- them in space. Oh, I reckon yeah, reading I them in to. space. I reckon reading them in space would be better because most of the like the, the most of the manga books I've read 
are usually small, like paperback size sorts of <laughs> issues. So they're actually easier to read because it's you can hold it with one hand. The other dance, the other interesting thing though is how there's not many comic comic book shops are are becoming a rarity now as well. Like there's not many oh. comic book stores in our end of town, is there? Well, a couple of them have closed, but there's others that have opened. Um, it's just more the way the market fluctuates on demand. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. They, they've got to create. They've got to have a supply of product that people are going to be interested in. Like if you had a comic book store that had a good range of manga and anime stuff, not just Marvel alone, you'd probably get more people being interested because the artwork involved in those is a lot better. It's like there's um, French art. Like there's a French artist I follow on Facebook, As. Asmur or something, I can't remember his name. Um, he actually supplies stuff to some of the anime studios. You mean um, Asa Illustrations? Um, yep, that's the one. Um, but so, like, it's not just in Japan. Like, there's also um, a growing market in China as well with um, some anime animation stuff coming out from over there. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name of a series I saw recently. I'll Try and look it up and let, get back to you about it. Yeah. So anyway, on to our final topic tonight. Um, we got a request from one of our listeners, the podcast judge, to look into child safety in mobile phone games, specifically Pokemon Go and Wizards Unite. So I've uh, compiled a couple of lists, well, a couple of articles to uh, read about that. I've got privacy policies from Pokemon Go and Wizards Unite. And I found an interesting blog called childnet.com, which is a parent's guide to games. And they go through and categorize games and uh, list objectionable content, sort of like the parent's guide on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But the key thing our, um, our listener was worried about was child grooming using games. So I found an article from the um, Australian Institute of Criminology published back in 2009. And it suggests that um, of fifty percent, fifty-five percent of people of teenagers who were found to use on um, online social network sites. Uh, uh, sorry, I read that wrong. So, in the US, fifty-five percent of teenagers use social network sites. But in the oh no, I'm reading it wrong again. <laughs> in the US and the UK, because they're this the articles right next to each other. Um, so it was actually, it was actually in India. Bugger off! So <laughs> in the US, in two thousand and six, um, they interviewed one thousand five hundred young people between ten and seventeen years old, and they reported frequent exposure to unwanted sexual material, sexual solicitations, and harassment online. And thirty five percent of people between ten and fifteen report being the victim of harassment or unwanted sexual solicitation. So the bit that confused me is that in the UK, it lists 238 offences meeting a child following sexual grooming in 2006, which is right above the line about the US. So my eyes don't do good now, apparently. <laughs> but obviously these um, numbers are concerning to parents. So I did some research on these games. I went and I played Pokemon Go and um, Wizards Unite for a bit. And I've come up with a bit of a thought, which summarizes... I found the only found the Childnet article tonight, but it uh, goes into much more depth. But 
these sorts of games don't really give the children an opening for predators to reach them. You can add friends in the game, but it doesn't give you the option to chat with them or share your location or anything along those lines. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So a lot of uh, communities of these games end up running on Discord, which is unregulated by the companies who run the games. So you're really up to whether your local Discord group has good moderation. But I don't think um, Niantic, who make Pokemon Go and Wizards Unite, uh, their games are particularly risky. So I think the key takeaway is that since the games involve traveling to locations, um, if your children are young and you're concerned about them, uh, you can travel with them and keep an eye on how they're interacting out of the game on Discord or Slack or whatever uh, social network the community's organized around. And uh, the events that I've been to for Pokemon Go are large events. There's usually 10 or 15 people there. And I've never actually been to one where um, I've seen anyone who seemed dodgy or unsafe, but that's another key point where um, if parents are concerned, they should probably go with their children to these events. Mm-hmm. That's actually um, pretty good advice. Um, if you can, if your children are using programs such as Discord, um, be involved with it with them. Actually, have a chat with them about it. Just explain the dangers and just say you you, you trust them, but you just want to make sure that they're safe and just make it so that their account has got to be open to you to be able to view just to help them while they're learning. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to personal responsibility. Well, no, because we're talking about protecting children here, so that's not personal responsibility. It's There's got to be a bit of involvement, but the game, the manufacturers of the games and publishers have got to try and watch that because it has become an issue where there's been a problem with it to the extent that there's a massive multinational task force that's been involved in pursuing grooming online. Like it's actually got its own title and description yeah. of of grooming, so it says it's how big an issue it is. Yeah, the worst ones like when it comes to social media and stuff would be TikToks. TikTok, then how you see a lot of crazy, creepy people on that site as well. I think it's not even TikTok in particular. It's just whatever the new hotness is. Because being adults, uh, parents don't always have time to keep up with new tech. So if a new social network comes out and their kids get invited to the a group on it and uh, get into some distasteful interactions, the parents don't always know what's going on or how to counter it. Before TikTok, there was probably like, people were using Snapchat to get around their parents knowing. Before that, uh, Instagram. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard anyone talking about having a fake Insta profile for their parents? And then one that they used to post all of their wedding got totally shit-faced at 14 at a school party things? No. 
Okay. I've never Are you seen saying you have one of these? No, I've never <laughs> seen it in real life, but I've read articles oh. about it when it comes to safety online. Okay. Right, there's um, a trend a few years back was to make a fake Instagram where you post all of your tasteful stuff so that, that your parents won't complain about and then have one that you use to organize parties or whatever you don't want your family to know about. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I think the um, part of the issue there is is that you got to just make sure you sit down and actually have a discussion with them and just explain that you. it's not that you don't trust them, it's just you don't trust everyone else. So, yeah. And there's a lot of tools out there that can help with that. There are tools for restricting the amount of time someone spends on their phone. If you're having trouble getting your kids to study, you can restrict what apps get installed mm-hmm. or um, what websites get visited. Oh, there used to be, like, there's programs that you, like, they're still around, but um, you used to have um, Net Nanny and things like that back in the day. And you can still put parental locks on systems. Although, the funny thing is, um, most of the adults I know usually actually have to ask the kids about how to do it. So kind of self self breaking there because you have to ask the kids how to put it on so they know how to put it on and they know how to the code to take it off. So I think there's um yeah, you just need to be education for everyone involved is the main thing there. And how stay you, stay aware. How would you do it in this current in, in the current scenario? Um if, if, just if as I said, have it have a chat with the child and just let them know. Like I I'm only an uncle. But I've had a chat with my nephews and nieces about some of the stuff and said, look, you just need to be careful. But I know my um, brothers and their wives have as well. So A few years back, I went to a seminar about um, child safety and the it was targeted at parents trying to um, protect their children. But the one of the big points they made was that, God, this is embarrassing, but... I've completely lost that train of thought. <laughs> Never mind me, carry on. Um, you were saying about uh, Professor about the fake Instagrams. Oh, there's a thing. It's it's actually a thing called the Finstagrams at Finster. Yeah, that's As the you- word, Finster. Okay. Oh, so yeah. Look, weird. I, the reality is, is um, you, it's just as I said, like you got to just have a have an open, honest discussion with kids, just with. Just so they know, it's not that you don't trust them, and you want them to be able to be open, and like they're going to get their butts kicked for certain things, but for the majority of it, you just want to make sure that they're safe, and make sure that they understand that, and that can open up discussions because there's going to be things they're going to want to ask questions about, but depending on the attitudes and behaviour, they're going to be scared to ask because they're worried about getting in trouble. So, like I've always had the attitude with my nephews and nieces, like if they want to ask me a question, I'll whatever topic it doesn't matter what it is i don't get offended and upset with them about it i just try to roll with it just so that they feel safe to come and ask whatever question they want to ask at any time yeah the that sounds like obviously as none of us are parents we're taking it with a grain of salt but it sounds like a good way to do things yeah. make sure that um, they feel safe asking if they need help. Although we have to, there is the the one thing we also have to consider as well is the whole generation gap kind of thing in terms of kids will come up saying like, "Oh, you don't know what's it like to be a teenager nowadays." Back in the day, being a teenager was in your time. Teenagers didn't do this stuff we did now. Keep in and, mind, the 
Jay's never let go of his teenage angst. Yeah. Look, honestly, um, I actually had one of my nieces say that to me, and I said, yeah, no, you guys have got a totally different environment, which is the reason why I'm trying to make sure that you know that if you need to discuss this, we're here, and you're not being judged. It's not you that's the problem. We just want to make sure that you're safe, and it's everyone else that we're trying to be careful of. But then well, we're kind of straying away from the topic again. But in turn, well, relation- no, well, that's part of the topic is making sure that it's a channel of communication to help protect the kids, make sure so that they can understand some of these dangers. Yeah, that's true. That's and that true. way, there's like, they're not hiding what they're up to. They know that they can go do these things, and you can be involved with them without it being overbearing and controlling and taking away the fun. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I think part of the the success I've had in relationships with my nephews and nieces is the fact that I actually play the games with them. So I'm sitting there playing computer games and everything like that, and I'm just as much of a kid as they are for stuff, and I enjoy it to the same level. So therefore, the discussion's able to be more open, and I'm I'm encouraging them to actually come and talk to me if they want to talk. And I've had some very interesting discussions with them and they know that they can come and talk to me about it. So, and that was something that was, I, I went along to a seminar similar to what the professor was saying, and that was one of the pieces of advice that was given to us by um, one of the law enforcement groups that were present is generally a, a relationship that is open to discuss issues with in a non-judgmental way so that kids can explore ideas and ask questions about things and not feel ashamed to come to you and ask about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Was that what you were going to say before, Professor? I think so. I uh, still haven't quite got back to what I was thinking. (laughs) It happens with old age. (laughs) Oh, I can feel my cells dying. (laughs) Hold hold, hold on, Grandpa. We'll get get you to the hospital soon. Ah, kids these days, they just don't have to start with Anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of the kids these days, what have you been playing, DJ? Oh, I've just been playing more Combat 11. It, again? I know, oh, again. I know, right? I'm starting, like, to, sound, I'm start, starting to sound like Rocky from the show. <laughs> again? What, hey, again. Hey, hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. So, uh, just like 20 years ago when the first Mortal Kombat came out, have you started killing people yet? Nah. <laughs> nah. Thor so hasn't I think it's fair to mind. assume that Mortal Kombat doesn't make you kill people. Well, I don't know. Like, there, there are temptations, but... <laughs> but no, I haven't done any hey, killing. Hey, hey. No. hey, we're trying to make this a family-friendly show. Keep your temptations to yourself. <laughs> what about well, you, speaking Mark? of temptations... Um, temptations. Um, I, I've I've actually got a temptation for a really nice cup of tea. Yeah. Um. Yep. And it will be all grey and hot. Hey. Um. But games I've been playing is Mafia Three still. Um. Again. Yeah. Well, it's only the second week. <laughs> I know. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Really. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Um. Just been trying to finish off, finish off the game because it's always interesting to see where the story finishes up at and if there's going to be a nugget of an idea that shows that there's going to be further 
it already looks like there's going to be a Mafia 4. So, yeah. So the Mafia games are set, like, roughly 10 years apart, aren't they? Um, About 10 to 20 years, because the guy from Mafia 1, he's... Like the game play for that was set in like just um, pre World War Two, post World War Two. Um, so yeah, it's roughly ten years apart. But because um, you actually the guy that gets killed at the end of um, Mafia One is killed by the character in Mafia Two as part of the the game. And Mafia Three is only set in the fifties, isn't it? Sixties, uh, so oh, nineteen sixty eight. Okay. Um, and you actually have the guy from Mafia Two is actually one of now one of your lieutenants. Uh, and to clarify, with Bucky and the Professor, the Mafia Two is set between two different time periods, so the mid nineteen forties and the early nineteen fifties. While in Mafia Three, it is nineteen. It's late nineteen sixty. Yeah, nineteen sixty eight. I'm actually looking at the thing here. It's, yeah. So um, that would put the next game somewhere late seventies, early forty, early eighties. Well, it's, yeah. that, it's likely to be, um, depending on how it goes, it'd be early seventies to flow on from the story, and then go into um, the seventies, early eighties. Because the seventies and the eighties around that time wasn't it? Wasn't that where the drugs game kicked up, kicked in though? Well, it was, it's already kicking off in this. It was just cocaine and so forth. But this is actually talking about how um, the mafia was being crushed in this particular area. So, yeah, it's actually one of the comments that's made. So, like, in the 70s and 80s, you saw a massive dismantling of the mafia as it had been in America because that was getting into the era of um, John Gotti. Yeah. So where do you reckon a mafia fort would be set? Um, well... Like they talk about like with the names of the cities, like Empire Bay, with all the bits and pieces in it, it looks very, uh, very much like San Francisco. And so, and then um, Mafia Three is um, New Bordeaux, which is New Orleans. So Mafia Four, um, it'll be hard to see. Like it, I reckon it could there and move over to um, the East Coast and go to Miami. And Florida. Yeah. So it'd be similar because, to like Starface territory. Yeah. Well, that's the, the thing I was going to say is like the early 80s, you had the uh, like the late 70s, early 80s, you had the influx of Cuban refugees and the drug trade kicking off with cocaine and all that there. So, yeah. Yeah, that could be cool. You could be a uh, like a DEA agent fighting the cartels. Yeah. Although, with um, a lot of this, with, with Mafia, they use. You have to be the anti-hero, so you're the you're the bad guy that runs around killing the other bad guys. Because that's one of the things with Mafia Three is you're taking over all the rackets with the aid of the CIA. Yeah, good old CIA. <laughs> and I have to say, one thing I've loved: you have to go and take on um, one of the capos of the main crime boss that you're chasing after to kill, and um, you have to follow Uncle Lucy's name onto a paddle boat and kill him on there. So you actually destroy a paddle steamer and you have a massive gunfight that goes between all the different decks. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then you cool. Ch- and then you chase him through the swamps to, to stab him with a knife. And you get a South American drug dealer that comes after you to try and get territory. So, yeah, you already got that starting to come in. All right, well, uh, I've been playing Harry Potter Wizards Unite. 
which is basically a knockoff of Pokemon Go, except instead of collecting Pokemon, you're collecting lost magical artifacts before the muggles find them. There's not as much variety in the items as there are in Pokemon. So it gets kind of silly that um, it specifies that you saved a particular character or a particular item that's like one of a kind. So like the um, other night I went out with my sister to play it because we both wanted to give it a go. And we ended up saving Buckbeak from Magical Shackles about five times in 20 minutes. So by the end of it, we're just like, damn it, Buckbeak. Are you <laughs> trying to not get caught? Um, sorry. <laughs> not you, Buck. <laughs> so, so in other words, so in other words, you can't find even the Horcruxes. Um, I don't know if there's Horcruxes, but there's uh, items like you'll find a student trapped in an ice block, and apparently some of the items can be memories, but I haven't found any of them yet. Um. Just out of curiosity, was the ice block lemonade or? I don't know. I didn't look that closely. Oh. I was more distracted by how hilarious it was that this guy stuck in an ice block with just his hands sticking out of the side and he's waving his hands around like a lunatic, while the rest of him's completely immobile. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Like, can you imagine it being as popular as Pokemon Go, and you see like a group, uh, like a group of ten or twenty people just. Doing the same thing as what you see in Pokemon Go. Well, that's the thing. It's not as popular as Pokemon Go. It had a bit of a flop as the launch. And hopefully, yeah. you won't have as many silly people playing this sort of game as what you had with Pokemon Go, where you had some stupid girl run across the road in front of a truck and then try to sue the makers of Pokemon Go. <laughs> I rule. Well, what was the other one? Uh, some guy stopped uh, stopped in the middle of the highway. Yeah. <laughs> There was the girl that found a body. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that sucks. But one good thing about these sorts of games is it gets the... Yes, it does get you outside. My mum got upset. She told me she wanted me to spend more time outside. I started moving the TV and the PlayStation outside, and she got upset at me. <laughs> the interesting thing with po- with those types of games as well is how much money they accrue from the from those games, like... I bet you must spend a lot of money on that game, hey, Professor? I actually don't. You don't? No. That's the thing with mobile games. The average person spends basically nothing, except then there's what they call whales who spend thousands of dollars. (laughs) And it's why some games have such aggressive microtransactions, because they don't want the average person who's going to spend 10 bucks and then quit. They want the whale who's going to get hooked and will pay for the transactions anyway. But anyway, uh, on to our shout-outs. Our first shout-out this week happened on the 9th of July, 1988. It was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Litua Bay in uh, Alaska. The earthquake happened on a, a gla- like through a series of three glaciers, which caused a massive landslide into the bay, uh, created a sound heard miles away, and a mega tsunami that washed out trees to a maximum elevation of 520 meters up the side of the inlet. It's the largest mega tsunami in modern time. Um, on the 9th of July 1981, Donkey Kong was released. In the game Mario, originally named Mr. Video in Japan and Jumpman in the US, must rescue Pauline, originally named Lady, from a giant ape named Donkey Kong. Not me. Who, no. <laughs> 
look, Buck, if you kidnap anyone, we'll just let you keep. Okay. It's not worth the risk <laughs> to ourselves. <laughs> I, I value that. my life more than risking a woman. <laughs> um, and then on the 11th of July, 1969, my favorite shout out for this week, David Bowie's Space Oddity was released. It was then uh, later used. BBC coverage of the moon landings, which launched from the US five days later. And on the 4th of July 19, uh, 2019, Mad Magazine ends, pub- ends publication and will be rerunning classic content from its uh, 67-year history. Maybe they should have gone over to Manga and just, instead of just relying on the same format. <laughs> spy versus Spy <laughs> Manga. That would be the most over-the-top thing. It would actually be pretty cool. Well, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing with manga. It's always it's over the top fun. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. It is. So on to our remembrances. We have a very tragic one. This um, the sixth of July this year, Mandela Masiko, who wanted to be the first Black African in space, died. He was one of twenty-three winners out of a million entries to a competition by Axe Apollo Space Academy to attend a U.S. Space Academy in order to be first black African in space. He was nicknamed Afronaut and Space Boy. He uh, went to Kennedy Space Center to do tests, but the uh, X-Core Aerospace went bankrupt before he could take play- take part in the uh, trial flights on board the Vomit Comet. He would have been the second South African in space after Mark Shuttleworth 2012. He died at the age of 30 in a motorbike accident in Pretoria. On the 9th of July, 18... 18- Six. Amadeo Avogadro, Italian scientist. Buck, give us your voice. What do you give want? Us your voice, Buck. Amadeo Avogadro was an Italian scientist. <laughs> Mamma mia! Was oh, noted my... for his contribution to molecular theory, now known as Avogadro's law, which states that equivalents of gases under the same conditions of temperature and pressure will contain equal numbers of molecules. In tribute to him, the number of elementary entities, atoms, molecules, ions, and other particles, in one mole of a substance, 6.022140857, or 74, open bracket, 74 close bracket times 1023, is known as the Avogadro constant. 187... SI base units and represent NA, not the amalgamated NA, a different NA. <laughs> he died at the age of 79 in Turin. Boy, I would like to see the Italians cringe so much now. Yeah, remember what we said about only pissing off some countries? <laughs> we pissed off a whole. Add a to the list. <laughs> no, see, the thing with the Italians is the simple fact that our guy, uh, he. Italian, but you know, at least the boy tried. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I, if they got angry, I just go, look, we'll go get a bottle of wine and we'll talk about this over a good, <laughs> good, good feed, and talk, we'll we'll see what we can sort out. Come to a compromise. Sounds like a fair deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is Zoltan Aladar on the 9th of July, nineteen seventy-eight. The Transylvanian composer, music critic, teacher. Famous for the goat and the three goons, and for having a great name. <laughs> he died at the age of 49 in Targu Mures. Transylvanians, please don't kill me. <laughs> but did he actually die, or did he just re- 
withdrawal from public scrutiny to serve um, his lord and master. Dracula. <laughs> you mean he? You mean did he transform himself into eagle? No, no, no. Because eagle was with um, Doctor Frankenstein. That's right, right. Wait, I thought it was transform. I thought it was Dracula as well. Hmm. No, Dracula's okay. got the Dracula's got the gypsies. And he wants to suck your blood. <laughs> no, doesn't he want to drink your blood? That too. <laughs> and you're talking about me with bad accent. <laughs> okay, so I've got here. Igor is a stock character lab assistant to many gothic villains such as Dracula or Frankenstein. So it's both. <laughs> yeah. But I don't remember Dracula having a lab. I remember him having a slab, but not a lab. Yeah. He was not a fan of steak, though. No. <laughs> Our next one is uh, enough July 2014. Eileen Ford, the founder, co-founder of Ford Models with her husband, Gerald Ford, in 1946. Now, that's Ford Models, not Model T Ford. It is one of the earliest and most recognized modeling agencies in the world. She died at 92 in Morristown, New Jersey. Although most um, models from the Ford agency seem to look and are executed actually pass for a Model T Ford. <laughs> Some of the um, alumni are interesting, though, like uh, Channing Tatum, for example. Interesting he goes for Channing Tatum. Um, who I can't else is... think of Ta- Channing Tatum without thinking of Cameo in um, This Is The End. Channing Tatum. Okay, I'm getting a little it's, bit nervous now. It's a seriously weird movie. <laughs> Basically, all of these rich actors in LA uh, end up caught up in the apocalypse, and Channing Tatum is... Like, you know, uh, in Mad Max, humongous um, guy on a leash? Mm-hmm. That's basically Channing Tatum to whoever that guy was. What's the movie uh, called again, Professor? This is the end. Okay. Ah, yes. <laughs> and for famous birthdays, because you guys are bastards and want me to fail at pronouncing this guy's name too, on the 8th of July, 1894, Piotr Kapitsa, a leading Soviet physicist, Nobel laureate, best known for his work in low-temperature physics. He discovered superfluidity in 1937 when he observed helium flowing without friction. He was born in Kronstadt. On the 9th of July 1942, Richard Roundtree, the American actor and former model, the first black action hero for his portrayal of private direct detective John Shaft, the 1971 film Shaft, and his four sequels. He was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for New Star of the Year actor in 1972. And on the 9th of July 1971, Mark Andreessen, the American entrepreneur, investor, and software engineer, co-founded Mosaic, the first widely used web browser, co-founded Netscape, and is a co-founder and general partner of Andreessen Horowitz, the venture capital firm. He is also a co-founder of Ning, a company that provides a platform for social network websites. He sits on the board of directors of Facebook, eBay, and Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I didn't know that about him. It's kind of funny that he went from uh, Netscape, which became Mozilla, which is now on all about internet freedom, to Facebook. Are you trying to say Facebook's not about internet? Hey, we've pissed off the Italians. Let's piss off the Facebookians next. <laughs> you realize Mark Zuckerberg is looking more and more like a clone with his pasty skin. Yeah. And I realized that if he wanted me dead, I'd be dead. Yeah. I live but for the grace of Zuck. Uh, on the 10th of July, 1856, 
Nikola Tesla, the Serbian-American inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, and futurist, who designed the modern alternating current system. His uh, patents, licensed by Westinghouse Electric in 1888, earned him a considerable amount of money and became the cornerstone of the polyphase system, which is used for transferring electricity along power lines, like the mains power line. Mm-hmm. He became well-known as an inventor and would demonstrate his achievements to celebrities at his lab, including Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Have you guys seen The Prestige? Vaguely. That's a great movie. And David Bowie plays Nikola Tesla. Makes it even more reason to watch it. Yep. And for events of interest, on the 9th of July, 18... 18- Daniel Hale Williams III prepared the torn pericardium of... James Cornish, who was an eye wound patient, felt penicillin or blood transfusion. Now, when uh, when the DJ originally brought this one up, he said it was without anesthetic, which would have been absolutely terrifying. So if you don't know, the pericardium is the lining around your heart. Actually, I've seen a video of um, surgery where they've cracked someone's chest open because they've got a, a knife that has literally slipped between one of the major arteries that, like, wraps around the heart and the heart itself. On the 9th of July, Johnny Weissmuller stole 100 style in 58.6 seconds, breaking the world record and the minute barrier. He's also famous for the Tarzan yell. Are you, are you going to do it again for us now? <laughs> no, 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 Tarzan, not Wookiee. <laughs> I think he mixed the two. Oh. On the 9th of July, 1955, the Russell-Einstein Manifesto, being Albert Einstein and Bertrand Russell, called for a reduction of the risk of nuclear warfare, called for world leaders to seek peaceful resolutions to international conflict. It was signed just days before Einstein's death on the 18th of April, 1955. Which, for, it, it, this is a further example that politicians aren't intelligent or geniuses, because the geniuses were saying they need to stop this sort of stuff, and the politicians kept going, no, we want more nuclear missiles. Big boom. Stupid idiots. Yep. And on the 9th of July 1971, the British battleship HMS Vanguard was uh, destroyed by an explosion caused by faulty cordite, killing 804. But that's all of our um, adventure interests for this week. So, DJ, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at N Amalgamated. They can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes. Um, they can also find us on that'snotcanon.com, where we have an archive of our old episodes and, and um, esteemed merchandise. Including our mugs, which are great for tea. Mm-hmm. And highly collectible. Yes, collect all, what, two designs? We've got more coming. Yep, we're working on some new designs. And we're also looking at being at Supernova Brisbane again this year. So we'll keep you updated about that. And if we're there, come and visit us. And you can try and work out whether or not the DJ is a human or an android. Trust me, you don't want to get close enough to find out. (laughs) We usually try to avoid it. That's why we don't record in the same room. (laughs) And also because we're likely to shoot him. Man, let's just shoot him anyway. Oh, don't worry, guys. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm combat ready. So even if you try and shoot me, I'll defend myself. Look, isn't it cute? He thinks he's a combat android. Yeah, we put a delusional chip in. <laughs> but anyway, that's all we have for this week. So 
We will see you next week. See you guys. Oh, wait. You know what I forgot to do? Shout out to another podcast. Oh. Yes. I was actually just going to say a shout out to um, Off With The Fairies again this week. Lovely people that they are. And yeah, have you guys got anyone else you wanted to shout out? I was going to say Off With The Fairies too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, same, same here, guys. Marvellous people. Um, yes. Say hello to them. Tell them we sent you. Um, yeah, actually, maybe not. They may not like you. They may yeah, not like you. Yeah, we don't want any more restraining orders. Yes. Um, other than that, um, remember to take care of yourselves, look out for each other, and stay hydrated. Over. See you guys. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 